Thanks for joining us as a listener to our Hidden Kingdom podcast. With each episode, I'll be talking to speakers, poets, songwriters, artists, entrepreneurs, and friends I've made down through the years as a worship leader, hearing their stories and how they communicate in their various spheres of influence. These are conversations to inspire us to think more deeply and more imaginatively about how we use our own gifting to make known facets of the hidden kingdom to the modern world. For this podcast, I was really thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with David Garrett, who, along with his wife, Dale, has pioneered the trail in praise and worship consistently over the years. They have written, collated and promoted some of the most popular praise and worship songs across the globe under the banner of Scripture in Song. Based in Auckland, New Zealand, we were able to connect via the wonders of Zoom. We get straight down into it. And I'm sure you'll find this conversation an inspiration. So let's go right back to the beginning because it was, I think it was 1968 you recorded your first uh, recording a long time ago. How did all that come about? I mean, yeah. how did you get into this? Okay, well, it was a very, no bright lights from heaven or anything. It's just that we, we happened, we were married in 64 we came, we, we lived in Dunedin, which is in the South Island for mm -hmm. three years. And we came back to Auckland just as things were beginning to happen in the spirit that began, it was called the charismatic move. And mm. we, we were confronted with Derek Prince. Uh, when mm. I say confronted, we were confronted with a meeting that he was holding. Mm. And um, we saw something quite remarkable. Now, I was brought up in the Brethren, and therefore the Brethren were very they sort of felt once the Bible was written, all the supernatural things were done, didn't need to be done anymore. And Derek was teaching a completely different message, of course. But for some reason, God just opened our hearts to that. Um, and, and we saw him teach on healing and then call people out for healing, teach on the baptism of the Spirit, and all that sort of stuff happened. And we, as we were going there, I can still remember my feelings, you know, there's lots of people that don't, aren't, don't have access to this sort of meeting. And there's a few new songs beginning to come. Uh, the song Thou Art Worthy from a woman in America mm -hmm. and different ones. Uh, even my sister lived in Canada and still does. She wrote a, a, a little chorus and, and we, so it seemed as if, it seemed as if God gave us just a couple of ideas. That's all it was. And, uh, to write songs that people could remember, to write songs that were addressed to him and not about our own problems. Mm. Um, and he also seemed to show, so as I still remember, that the stage was not the focal point. The stage, in fact, was the conduit through which we led people to God. So he said, lead the people to me. Um, so it wasn't a big deal day from our point of view. And we just thought, well, why don't we do something? See, Dale was brought up in a completely non-Christian situation. Mm -hmm. She was brought up and her aunt took her to all the ballets and all that sort of things that happened in those days. I was brought up in a non-musical <laughs> world. It was really funny, actually. I could play about three chords on the guitar. And that was about it. So neither of us were and are musicians. But yeah. God gave us something 
uh, to do that involved music. And so we always had to draw other people in. And so uh, we had a friend who was a drummer who used to be in the drug scene and he came supernaturally to God at that time. He had a friend who was a piano player, a complete non-Christian, still is. Dale had a, a cousin who was a guitarist, also a non-Christian. The three of them, and we had two brothers that came uh, with us. And in four hours, we created not put nine songs. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> EP yeah. called yeah. them those, you know, those little discs. Yeah. And uh, we just thought, what are we going to call this? So we just called it scripture and song because it mostly was, that's what it was. So there was no, there was no great fanfare or anything except that was what the spirit was bringing supernaturally right around the world in those days. Um, the songs that we produced, and then of course later books and other yeah. albums and things, seemed to fit somehow with what God was saying to people. Yeah. And so we didn't promote it. <laughs> it's funny to say that. No, I, I suspect that when you first started, it was very much just selling them at the back of the hall at the end of the meeting yeah. and passed, were, you know, in some ways passed around in a brown paper bag, kind yeah. of, oh, this is radical, this is different. Uh, yeah, early, yeah. It seemed to fit. It seemed to fit somehow with what the Spirit of God mm. was doing. It just went like wildfire. And um, uh, I know these days the the whole thing with the, the internet with Spotify and Apple yeah. Music and all that sort of stuff is, is a whole different scene, completely different scene today. But God has got his way of getting around what he wants to. And even in an interview like this, <clears throat> where we can talk over, I don't know, 12,000 miles apart, mm. And uh, but it may be that God uses these things that you're doing to mm. quicken in people something of yeah. what He wants. To say yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, mean, absolutely. I don't know how well that captures the past. No, <laughs> but they were exciting days. The Holy Spirit was moving in a powerful way, and people wanted to record that and express something fresh and dynamic. And there's always been, uh, especially with those early ones, a simplicity about the songs that you could capture them straight away, memorability, uh, that they become, they become the vocabulary of the congregation. They're not just about the singer, the performance. It's about the body of Christ, isn't it? The singer, the singer has never been the focal point from our point of view, interestingly enough. But... But what we wanted to do, and I can still remember, because then we began to travel and I, we taught songs as we went. Mm. And, and what we wanted to do was to put, this is my thought, we, we would want to sing a song that was simple enough that we could teach it to people in about a minute and a half. <laughs> and people in the back of the room were able to sing it. That's what I looked for, not the people in the front. Hmm. And my thought was, when they're leaving this place, I want the song, I want this truth, this word to hmm. still remain with them. That's that's it, Dave. And, hmm. and and I mean, I get I got I got an email yesterday from someone. I get them constantly, really, from people that say I was brought up on your music and this and that and the other thing, and I want to thank you. And that's I mean, we've we it's over fifty years ago. Yeah. So it's really quite an amazing thing to yeah, see yeah. what wanted to do was to write memorable music that people could learn and take and the spirit of god could bring to yeah. them it and the, they traveled you know they translated we got them over here yeah. uh you know hallelujah for the lord our god the almighty reigns i exalt thee 
um, Father in heaven, how we love you. You know, we place you in the highest place. Uh, all those. So, in fact, one of them, where I remember vividly, we sang it at uh, our wedding. Um, Cover me. Um, I, we started our wedding with uh, me singing a, a Barbara Streisand song at the time when Pat came down the aisle. We'd been married 42 years. Um, Evergreen. Uh, a big song of Barbara Streisand but then the big moment was when we all joined together to sing uh, Cover Me 42 years ago so I've still got the uh, words and the chords uh, by my bedside actually but yeah they translated and I think that that's one of the great things that, that you could hear the melody you could get into it and it was songs of proclamation um, now we have a lot of songs which are about me uh, yeah. my my experience of which, of course, there's a place for that. But there's this proclamation, there's this coming outside of ourselves um, to the bigger picture. Um, and I think sometimes we, we've missed that a bit. And the prophetic then comes into that as well. Not, I don't mean just mean the now word for thus says the Lord, this will happen. But the prophetic bringing something of the future into the now as we're singing it, which I think your songs did in a powerful way. Well, well, that's, you know, it's funny, Dave, but because of who we were, I think God sort of chose us because we had no ability, but we had faith to be able to just take a step and do something. And that's mm. about what it is and what it was. And and I know I, I listen to a certain a number of Christian songs and, and go and hear them. And I agree with you. But the interesting thing is that when we began, it was the same situation. Mm -hmm. We felt songs that were, apart from the beautiful hymns, of course, but songs that were being sung generally were, were about me and where I'm doing. I've got a home in glory land. Sort yeah. Of yeah, see, I comes in, yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. That's right, and yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's very me. And that was one of the things God really said to me is lead the people to me, sing songs to me. Mm -hmm. I want to hear, I want to hear. Not, not. I don't think it was so much so that, you know, we could pat God on the back or something. I don't. I think it's because worship and songs to God open a door mm. for God's response, mm. and I that was just such a key thing, and still is. In fact, on our fiftieth, which was one last year, I think so. <laughs> on our fiftieth, we produced a new album. We we just called it "I Exalt Thee," um, and and. In that album, we had over a thousand people in this room, and these songs that we sang that night were written mostly 30 years earlier, and the whole congregation sang them because there was memorability with them, you see. Yes. But let me just quickly say what my intention was in that thing. It was that worship opens the door to an actual relationship. That's what it does. That's what when Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and knocking so that we can sit down together and have a talk, really, and eat together. Mm -hmm. And I think somehow we've lost some of the fact of a real intimacy with the Father that God's actually, that's what he's looking for. And I, mm -hmm. these days with fear, so much fear in the world, and intimacy with God is the key thing that any of us need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And, uh, you know, you're talking about technology, but of course, the cassette became the thing, you know, uh, was it Peter Wallace at Anchor Recordings? I think that was how I first got those. And some of these, these songs were passed around um, 
and yeah. and easily learnt. You know, guitar. You didn't need a big arrangement. You didn't need a big band, but the songs did something. Uh, it's Woody Guthrie, an American singer, uh, songwriter who influenced Bob Dylan greatly. Um, he once said that uh, for a song to be good, it's got to be good for something. And I think your songs were good for some, are good for something. You know, they draw you into the presence of God and you connect with them, you remember them, and then you can pass them on to other people. And it's, I think they not only summed up the times, but they, this element of participation together, the togetherness of the body of Christ, uh, they drew you in together. You know, there's something about when we exhort Christ, uh, we might have our doctrinal opinions about different things, but there's something about exalting Christ that we can all agree with, uh, whatever persuasion, whether we're Southern Baptist or Pentecostal or whatever. And your song certainly did that. I'm, 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 go on, David. Say one little thing about that. Uh, just, just because you're, you're English, I'm mm. background partly English as well, but. Whenever we've been in England, the one thing we've noticed, we noticed always, is that English people love singing. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that that stood the English apart from other parts of the okay. world. Okay. Cool. Uh, you may not realize this, but no, they no, do. no, they love no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it wasn't difficult for us no. to actually get yeah. people into singing yeah. a song. Okay. We had um, a big influence as well from uh, Jimmy and Carol Owens. Uh, which was uh, Come Together, uh, yeah. the, the, the great musical that they wrote. Um, and I know, you know, as ministries grow, it's relationships with, with people that become very pivotal. Uh, you had a strong relationship with them. Is that right? We did, and we still do. Yeah. Although Jimmy and Carol are both, you know, failing really somewhat now. And mm -hmm. um but their their daughter Jamie, um, they live they live actually in the same place now. Jamie mm. and Dad uh, have taken Jimmy and Carol, and they live there. Uh, yes, they they influence us a great deal. They influence from a technical point of view. That was really helpful for us because Dale really of the two of us is really the songwriter, and um, I know she honours the time she had with Jimmy and Carol and the way they. And I, Jimmy used to say, I write the songs. He was talking about putting them right, making them right, because my job yes. was more critiquing the song to make sure it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but no, no, they did. And we travelled a bit, I did, I did a few conferences with them as well in the yeah, past. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jack Hayford as well. Um, yeah. You had... Uh, a, well, yeah, we did. Jack, we met Jack. He, someone in Australia, I can't remember who it was, said, look, I've got this minister over here and he's coming to New Zealand for a few days and he needs someone to put him up. Would you like to do that? And so, yeah, we uh, yeah, we said, sure, we'll put him up. We didn't realise how tall he was. And so we put him <laughs> in one of our daughter's beds. Okay. And yeah. But anyway, he, it was so funny, really, because he we started to talk about music and songs in those days. And um, he said, look, I've just, uh, there's a new song I'd like to play to you. And he played and I... Oh, gosh. I think it was Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the uh -huh. Almighty Ones, which Dale had written, you see. Yes. And so he played the song, and when we told him uh -huh. that, you know, it was one of ours, it was so funny, really. And yeah. Jeff invited us to the States. Uh, at that stage, we went there, and 
uh, you know, church on the way was really yes. a big thing in those days. And a lot yeah. of Dale was terrified being asked to sing in front of all these celebrities. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a celebrity type church. Yeah. I think where yeah. I'm getting to is that, you know, for anybody kind of developing in ministry, relationships are, are really important. And um, there are some relationships that come for a season and uh, you enjoy them and then you move on. It's not that you fall out with each other. It's just you go different different parts of the journey but there are others where there's a long-standing relationship and uh, would those two key uh, characters be, be yeah. Long? yeah yeah they, they would i mean we've really pretty much lost contact with jack but as far as jimmy and carol is concerned it's an ongoing it's mm. an ongoing mm. we went over we went over to um to the states to california or well, actually, we were there during the uh, American election, 2016, mm. and we were there for several months. Mm. And and we've been back again. And of course, we're on like a conversation like this would be with uh, Dan yeah. and Jamie and, and Jimmy and Carol. Mm. But but yes, it is a long, it's a long-standing one and a very very precious one. Very very precious. And as you say, relationships are very precious, even though right now. We're doing something, uh, something different, uh, writing songs uh, in a different way, and there are different relationships involved in that. Um, yeah, they are. A presumably, you know, as things started to develop for you in those early days, obviously you went on your tours and so on. But there, there began to be a bit of an inf infrastructure around you. I mean, administration who handled as you got into publishing and things like that. Did you a, a team evolve for you? Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I had a few people working for me, maybe up to five at any stage, and we mm -hmm. developed a program for royalties. Mm -hmm. We developed it ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. It was quite elaborate, but we had to. I mean, the three books were over 600 songs in those, plus yeah. the albums we did. We did something over 30 albums in total. And so there were there was a lot of stuff that we had to pay royalties on and all that stuff. So we developed that very much ourselves um, in those days. Um, yeah, so there was a bit of an infra infrastructure and um, I've, uh, yeah, I've never been a good manager really, Dave, of people and so on. Dale is, in fact, Dale wrote a book recently called Please Help Yourself, which is our story. It's on Amazon and people can get it there, but um, it's she, actually her, hospitality of overseas people that came, the, you know, like Derek and Bob Mumford, Charles Simpson from America, um, her hospitality opened the door to relationships there that was so vital and so important because we went to conferences, we would lead the worship and these guys would speak and no one knew them, even though they were no, known well in their own mm. country. So, mm. yeah, I think, but hospitality has always, for us as a couple, been a door opener. Right. And how did it work? I mean, you have a, uh, had a young family at that time. Did you take them with you on the East Tours? Does that mean homeschooling? How did that work? We always took them with us. And mm. uh, we took like a school teacher slash babysitter, I suppose you could say, with us um, so that they, the girls traveled with us all the time. We felt it was very important to have them with us so that um, we weren't leaving them behind yes. in some other situation. And I think, I think, uh, 
like our youngest daughter passed away 20 years ago to cancer, mm. uh, which was a real painful situation, as you can imagine. Mm. But um, having said that, our eldest daughter, Melinda, is so in tune with the Holy Spirit. And these days, it's wonderful to see the way God mm. continues to work. But for, from our point of view, the children were, were so important. And interestingly enough, Dave, God just provided Mm. financially i mean god just mm. provided i mm. mean i i marvel at the way god provides quite yeah, frankly yeah, yeah. It's, it is incredible isn't it? you can't always work it out how it happens but yeah. it does and we were the same you know without our two i've got two sons and they're both musicians now and their earliest memories of being in recording studios or dad writing songs upstairs you know and so forth so they've kind of just adopted that and moved moved into it in their own way which is which is wonderful what uh, do they play what, what yeah, do well, they love uh, John guitar and vocal, strong on vocal. Dan is percussion. My wife Pat is trained percussionist. She does choirs, but also percussion. So um, Dan is is the percussionist of uh, of the two. And of course, my last album, my son produced, which um, you know was an interesting experience. I enjoyed it very much. But uh, he knows where I'm going, you know, and he's got vision for the future, which is which is really good. Now. You had um, a big, we've covered that, but then then there's kind of a, it seems to me you've had two big milestones because yeah. there was, there's the 50-year milestone, but there was a 25-year one, yeah. which which I think, if I've got it right, that's where you started to introduce. I've got a cassette of yours, New Sound. Yes. Uh, you started to introduce something of the indigenous music yeah. into yeah. that setting. Yeah. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? Sure. sure. And, well, in 1987, uh, that stage where we were, you know, we'd done at least two of our books. We'd done a lot of albums. And I used to take a few guys away for a weekend to a place that was loaned to us just to talk together, pray together, share our songs, do and we were walking, we were walking on the beach, and I the, it was just amazing, really, Dave, to me. But just the word culture came just into my mind out of the blue. Mm. And then I felt I heard God say, if you're going to be of value to me in the days ahead, you, you need to come to understand the culture of the Maori, the indigenous people of your place. And in those, in these days, I would have said, Well, what do I do? But those days I decided I'd take it on board and I met with a, a Maori elder who I'd known in the past. Mm. And um, I said, Norman, um, God wants me to understand your people. What do I do? And um, so he took me to some of the villages. They call them Marae here. There's a lot of them around the country where, where the people come from. And I only heard one word from God, and that was the word listen. And I realized, I began to realize then and did a lot more that that being of English origin or English uh, European origin, um, my tendency is to have an answer for everyone's problem. <laughs> and uh, rather than hear clearly, because I also found that the Maori and many other indigenous people are slow to speak unless they unless you're really listening mm. or unless they feel that what they're sharing with you, which is of real value to them, 
is taken in the right way and not just taken as something to make money on, for instance, or something just to add to your arsenal of what you're doing. And so that happened in 87. Then the, the 93 was when we did our 25th. But for some reason, I felt before that that I needed to go around our city and I visited many churches for whom English wasn't their first language. And I said, look, we're having this celebration and uh, come, come along and, um, and bring your dances and bring your shouts and your, your war mm. cries or whatever it happens to be, bring your instruments. And that four day event was pretty remarkable from the point of view that many of these people came Polynesian people came, of course, Maori people came, but Jewish people came, um, uh, Indian people came. It was just like a, a whole plethora. And I think probably for a number of the European friends that had been with scripture and song for our time, what on earth is going on here? <laughs> yeah. I can still remember Lauren Cunningham spoke. In fact, we did a, we did a, a it's a DVD now called Let My People Go. And what he said is actually in the DVD, but he just said there's going to be a there's going to be before we called it Oct One, which is the date. It was October the first. Um, there's going to be a, a division between what happened in the past and what's happening in the future. And I believe he was speaking prophetically. But interestingly enough, Dave, now we're seeing something of what. God said to me in 87, begin to come to pass. We're seeing many, many people now, European people learning the language mm. and learning to understand and learning to realize that there's something that was a, of a real treasure already in our land that we didn't recognize, that our forefathers came with a message. And with that message, they brought their culture, they brought their steeples, they brought their, their clothing, they brought their rules and regulations mm. And the indigenous people accepted that as if it was part of the gospel, which of course it wasn't. But it's because we, and I'm talking, I'm talking to an Englishman, I guess. Are you an Englishman? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to an Englishman, and because there's enough of you in me as well, I can mm. say we we didn't recognize, we saw savages, we saw cannibalism, but we didn't actually inquire as to what the Spirit of God had put in them because the spirit of God puts something in every people group on earth. There's mm. no question about that to me. Of course, Satan has taken it and done all sorts of damage with it and, and so on. But there's, there's, there are keys, there are keys. And as I'm involved with the specific Maori people in these days and listening to them, I'm finding that there are many things that God put as a seed right within them uh, that is now beginning to come out. And interestingly, with our current government, which um, is very anti-Christianity, very much so, and um, we've pa they passed a law for basically abortion, nine months abortion. It's just horrendous stuff that, that mm. they're doing. But they recognize that the indigenous people have been sidelined. I was with a um, school principal, headmaster of a school the other day. He's a friend of mine. He's a Christian. He said, if I stood up and prayed in English in front of my, in front of my class in these days, I'd be shouted down. But if I said exactly the same words in the language in Maori, 
they'd think it was fantastic. Oh, you see what I mean? Because yeah. they honor the language, even though they didn't recognize it. And so he said, I can pray in front of in front of like the school now. Mm. So if you understand the thing, the, the tide is turning. And one of my feelings too, Dave, is that God, this is just my own heart's feeling that God mm. is going to use many, many young Maori people in these days. He's going to teach them on the gifts of the spirit, on the things of the ways of God, and they're going to go out and teach others. Mm. And it'll be under the radar. But I, I'm, I, I think it's going to happen around the world, quite frankly, Dave. A I global think phenomenon, yeah. Global, yeah. I think so. And, and you're probably aware of this. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I suppose what I would say to you um, is, well, your origins, your origin. I mean, ask God, what is it that you planted in these islands and this, in this area and this place mm. long, long ago that is still part of my heart that needs to be, you know, understood. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that to you because that's the sort of thing that's very much on my heart in these mm. days to do. So, yeah, it's absolutely. It's a, I, I think, you know, this, uh, identity is a core thing and then we we find it in britain with uh wales people want to want to return to to speak welsh their their their, their natural uh language rather than imposed english well it's kind of dual thing actually the way that they're doing it but um yeah releasing people's identity is i i think so much on, on the heart of god and i think i was very intrigued you know you you, you talked about listening I think listening is is so valuable and so important in all areas of the spiritual life listening to god but listening to other people and not as you say imposing our our ways and i suppose that opens out into an understanding perhaps of about worship that very often we've imposed worship on a, a style yeah. um you know, rather than where do we come from and how do we express ourselves, our heritage, our background, yeah. our individuality, our corporate, who we are, authentically, yeah. Um, yeah. you know. And, of course, we have the globalization of the worship movement in many ways uh, yeah. where we pick out the top 40 from whatever's being sung in the big churches around around the world. That has its place, has always been that top 40 thing. But I'm looking and I'm, I'm picking up that that's really what, where you're coming from, is this local expression, this, this kind of cultural expression that isn't ridden roughshod, roughshod over, but is, is, no. is allowed to shine and allowed to come through. It's so true, Dave. I think it's like... You know, I mean, I've we've got a guy helping us right now that was with Bethel for six years, and he's helping us with website and stuff like that. And and these big churches like Hillsong and Bethel and so on, they provide some wonderful material. But you see, the thing is that I don't think God is a secondhand God. Right. I think God is able. If we say, Father, what is your what did you want? See, with Jimmy and Carol, for instance, what they did was they took Jack's teaching and come together, came out of Jack's teaching. And I think there's something in that, mm. um, that, that say the musicians get with the teachers in the church and say, look, yeah. what, what's on your heart? 
we want to write a little song about it because people, mm. if it's a simple song, they'll remember the song long mm. after they forgot the sermon. Yeah, yeah. The song will remind them of the sermon. But you see, I think, um, I don't know whether it's, a, it's an insecurity. I don't know what it is, but we feel like we have to do something that other people have done. And I, I don't really think we do, Dave. I, I think we need to say, Father, I, I, you know, I've got this group here. There's 20 of us, 25 of us. What are you saying to us now? What are you actually saying that we could actually put into a two-line song? I mean, I got a, a note from a young woman today, and she said, God's told me to write scriptures. And she, she gave me something from... Um, Jeremiah 29. Mm. And I wrote back and I said, look, why don't you just take two lines out of that? Because she wrote in verbatim scripture, two lines, make them a chorus mm. so that people will sing the chorus and it'll remind them of the whole passage. I mean, it's very mm. simple, Dave, but mm. I mean, these are the sort of ways I think, and I think God is really desperate to get the truth you know, of his word into us in such mm. a way We'll remember it, quite frankly. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah, memorability, <laughs> getting hold of it, getting it in your spirit. Yeah. And uh, passing it on, passing it on. Yeah. And that, you know, when something is simple, it's easy to pass on. When it's complicated, wow, you know, it's not going to be very easily, you know, you need the great teachers to come along and teach you how to do it. Um, word of <laughs> mouth, I'm, I'm, I'm very much, very much uh, connect, connecting with, with you yeah. there. Um, yeah. So, what I suppose, uh, taking that a step further, yeah. uh, if we're going to express authentically and creatively new new ways of worship, yeah. do you think sometimes the wineskin is a little bit uh, of an old style, uh, you know, a bit resistant to that? I mean, when you started, it was all new and fresh. Yeah. Then, you know, the charismatic movement came and then, you know, worship industry developed and, and that has yeah. its place. Uh, but then, whereas we were fighting against the organ, yeah, <laughs> are we now fighting against the band sometimes to allow yeah. this, you know? I think, I think so. I think it's exactly what's happened. I thought sometimes I look at the at the stage of the people and I, I look at the audience and the audience is sort of standing because we sort of stand during this mm. music time, but they're not doing anything. And then the stage is doing it all. And you'll never remember any of the songs the stage sings yeah. afterwards. What, what, yeah. what have we come to, you know? And yeah. as you say, I don't want to criticize that because I know God works with what we give him. Mm. I, I guess I just want us to be able to give him something that will, bring us closer into a relationship, a personal relationship with mm. him. That's really what's deeply in my heart. Because you were, you were speaking about uh, listening, and I think, you know, that's a very core thing for someone who develops in worship. I don't just mean a song leader, but a, a worship leader, to hear from God and yes. to yes. respond to God in the moment. We've got our worship sets, and sometimes, you know, the technology is such that you've got the projection and you've got to have it all right and sometimes the songs are very long because now we can we can just look at them on the screen we don't have to memorize them um and before long we've got this routine um when we're yeah. listening to god sometimes he says the unusual and sometimes there's the risks involved yeah. uh, how do we cultivate that well i think yeah okay i mean i I have backwards and forwards conversations with God 
frequently. Okay. Uh, this morning, and what I do is I've been keeping a journal, well, actually since 1970, but I, but in the last 10 or 15 years, it's been much more just my talks with God. So I sat down this morning and I opened my computer and I, I just felt God say to me, I love you, David. Mm. And your name is right. And because David means beloved. And then he started to talk to me a little about David. He said, David was a prophet, and you are too, in your own way. You're mm. prophetic in what you do, because a lot of stuff that you talk about, mm. other people don't see until maybe a long time later. And just started to talk to me about these things. But one interesting thing, Davis, uh, is this, that when we finished our 50th, we, we did it in two cities in New Zealand, Auckland and Christchurch. And um, when we when we finished in Christ, I felt God say to me, I want you to start again. And I thought that's pretty ridiculous, except that almost immediately I heard Kanye West's um, song or album, Jesus is King. And I started to follow him in terms of interviews and things. And I thought, wow, fancy putting the name of Jesus in front of millions and millions mm. and millions of young people that have only ever heard it as a curse word. What a wonderful thing to do. And and but then he's doing it as a as a hip-hop type thing as well. That's what he's known for, you see. And and I felt as if he said to me, you know, as far as new genres are concerned, you need to be able to look far beyond what you've done before. And so we've got someone working with us now who's been really quite high up in New Zealand in the in the R and B area. Mm. And we're looking at reggae. And I think that what we're going to do, we're, we're looking at songs for children in genres that they will really relate to. Mm. Um, so it's a whole different thing, Dave, and it's challenging. It's all, it's so challenging to me because especially, you know, hip hop, um, there's very little about it that has a natural, <laughs> that I naturally like, but, but I can see, and so I'm saying to these guys, okay, okay, just put something of the truth of God. And one of the two of the guys spoke to me and said, um, you know, the kids are learning through this genres of music a lot of evil stuff, a lot of bad stuff, um, and they 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 don't know what they're singing, they don't care what they're singing, they just like the beat. And so if you can use the beat, but you can put truth in it, eventually that truth will be able to get into them. And I started yeah. to think, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, Dave, I'm, I'm really excited about the future because I feel as if God's placed some things in front of me. Mm. I mean, right now, for instance, uh, we're doing a, a number of songs for a guy called Richard Brunton, who's written The Awesome Power of Blessing, which has sold millions of copies especially in africa in different languages and we're doing songs to go alongside with this teaching you see and it's but again the principle of putting something out there that people can remember and use mm -hmm. is still there with us it's just yeah, it's just exciting. the same so, i don't know i probably haven't answered your question but i all i can say is that even when i used to travel a lot I would have a list of songs, but I'd be listening to the Spirit all the time. And, and I'm sure you've done exactly the same. So you listen, and the third song, you just get a sense, yeah. this is what people need to be singing. 
Mm. And so you stick with that. You stay mm. with it. You talk about it a little bit. You just explain a couple of things, not too much, but enough, mm. enough to let people focus on that. This is something they need to sing. Yeah. Or even declare, says Noel Rich, a beautiful, mm. beautiful song. Mm. And I, I just think that, that if, we're, if we've got a certain alertness as we're leading and a willingness to stop what we're doing, to say, okay, let's just hold it there. I know there's a time clock up there. I know, you know, whatever, whatever. Let's just hold it there and say, okay, Father, what are you saying right now mm. that I can either say or I can put in a simple song? Mm -hmm. Cover me, extend the border. The thing that Ruth said to yeah. Boaz, was it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, it, what does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything except what it means to you. And what it means to you is what the Spirit of God made it mean to you because he's able to take anything and make it into something that, well, that will bless people. And in these days, Dave, with so much fear in the world, and I don't think it's going to get any easier, no. we're, we're going to need to say, okay, Father, let's, let's not... Okay, this morning I got a thought. I saw the, 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 like the river of God and then beside the river, the, all these different eddies and the eddies were, were a truth that was stuck on the side and it became an old wineskin eventually mm. and it spilled because, but in the middle of the river is the life of God and the life's going. And I just felt God say, stay there, David. That's where you are. It yeah. doesn't mean you discard the, the old at all. It doesn't no, no. mean you discard what people have done and are doing and the value that they're doing. But stay there because in that, in that there's always life. There's always yeah, something. It's a river new. of life, yeah. You know, it is a river of life. Mm. You know? So I think, Dave, those, I'm just giving you, sort of my thoughts no, it's cool that's very yeah. good yeah really really good and i certainly can relate to the the whole thing about the hip-hop because my son uh is, is well into hip-hop that's that's been his thing so we've had that all around the house over the years <laughs> yeah but yeah stay in the river of life and uh you you flow you flow with with what with what's happening now not just in the in the past we treasure the the past you know but we move into the new thing and that's what's so exciting talking to you because you can feel that you know openness um and yeah. listening tell me about the blessing thing because um i think that there's a real kind of um nugget you, there for songwriters you, to really get get hold of the the, the blessing you're writing songs about oh, about this book yeah okay that's richard now richard brunton he's one of the five of us that meet every week online and yeah. and i just said to him one day why don't we write some songs that'll go with your what you're doing he was telling us this morning because it's on it's thursday morning we meet he was telling us you know about an experience in uh, Zambia or something. There's 30 African nations that he's into. He sold 2.7 million of the books. And it's just incredible. But even in New Zealand, a lot of them, it's simple, but it's actually taking a principle of blessing, which is so biblical. In fact, Genesis is so full of it there mm. that God is wanting us to learn to bless each other. Yeah. But, but like, for instance... Um, Dale 
Dale had um, an, an eye problem that she has to get injections into the back of her eye. What's it called? Macula something or other. Okay. And, um, and, and, and he, he, he just said to her, look, just bless your eyes. Bless your body. Bless. And, and I was telling him this morning, you know, she went to see this guy that, that does the stuff for her. And he said to her, your vision has improved so much. It's virtually 2020 now. And she's 82. I mean, it's just not, mm. it just doesn't happen. But mm. okay, well, the certain amount that he's done, she takes a lot of lutein because lutein and spinach, I grow a lot of spinach. Mm. But the actual speaking to your body, mm -hmm. then learning to bless. Um, I really would encourage you to get his book or, I mean, I could, I can, tell you where to get it online but mm. it's so simple dave and yet it's so profound just mm. as to the results are so profound and i think in these days well even the song that went around the world about blessing that was yeah. pretty amazing wasn't it yeah, really? yeah yeah i think it says something as well about us standing in our authority of who we are in christ yeah. doesn't it when we're blessing people i mean i did a little thing for the radio the uh, just a few yeah uh, today just a simple prayer about the covid thing and instead of praying i ended up blessing the the workers and 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 praying blessing on them and there's something um, releasing in that isn't there that that we're standing oh, in authority of who we are yeah yeah there's something about it that's so on the heart of god i feel as yeah, opposed to pleading you know oh we need your presence lord we need your presence well we are the presence of god to to many people and we're releasing that's, that yeah that's yeah. exactly what richard's saying really you know we ask god for something that's already ours we ask him for the holy spirit who's already in us we need to learn to speak out mm -hmm. the truth of what god's already yeah. put in us and blessing yeah. is definitely a part of that yeah. major yeah well, through your life and ministry, uh, both you and Dale, you certainly have brought blessing to the, the global church. And uh, I, for one, want to honor that and testify to that. Those those early songs that I picked up on uh, were an influence on me and started me on a journey of writing songs. And um, I have over the years been following you know, the Southern Hemisphere, uh, the Garrett's moving around, sharing their music and encouraging so many teams of people. And I know many around the world will testify to that. And it has been a great honor to, to speak to you uh, today, David, and thank you for sharing the time. I hope we've gleaned some of those things, you know, some of those principles, listening to God, being open to fresh uh, avenues of expression and not being limited just by our, our past. Uh, moving into the fresh things, letting go of the, the old, um, the importance of relationships that we talked about. I think, I think that, that's really good, you know, identifying those people that we have uh, respect for, a trust for, and, and working with them in, and, and writing songs with them in many, in many cases, I think is a, is a wonderful thing. The simplicity, the memorability uh, of songs and music that's what we need to get we need to get back to i believe that organic feel that anybody can sing this song no one's included because we are together we're all the band the band aren't on the platform we are the band we're the priesthood of all believers so thank you so much david for sp sparing the time it's a joy to chat with you 
this evening and your morning. Have a good day. Bless you, mate. Thank you. Well, that really was uh, an inspiring session. And if you want to find out a bit more background about David and Dale's ministry, then Dale has written a book, uh, which David referred to, which gives a lot about the history of uh, their journey. And it's entitled, Please Help Yourself. And it's available on Amazon. Also, Richard Brunton's books, The Awesome Power of Blessing and The Blessing Effect, which David referred to, they're available through Richard's website. And the website of Scripture in Song, which is www.scriptureinsong.org, tells you more about their history and also offers the Let My People Go DVD which was produced in the year 2000, but tells something of the journey that they have had with 